Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. I want to tell you a story. Some of you that have been coming to our church, coming to Lewis for a little while, have had the honor that I've had of being a cubby. Do we have any cubby alum here? Y'all remember? And, and when you think of cubbies, who do you think about? Okay, so Miss Joan. Now, you're too young to remember this because she had her pool filled in, but Miss Joan at the end of the year would have a cubby's pool party. So you want to talk about a banger. I mean, you want to talk about a, a, a rager. Imagine a cubby's pool party at Miss Joan's house, and we drank way too many Capri Suns. We were getting really tipsy. Um, but something happened. I was, I think, six or seven years old. You know, I was just going hard as I could at Miss Jones' uh, yeah, pool party cubby rager. And there was a problem. I hadn't learned how to swim yet. So I had stayed in the shallow end, but you know, you know what it's, guys, you know what it's like, the peer pressure among guys. Yeah, my friends were like, hey, let's all jump in to the deep end at the same time. So I was like, okay, die or be dishonored as a man. I'm going to die. So I lined up with these guys at the edge of the pool and ready. And I thought, man, maybe I shouldn't do this. But I thought, what kind of a man would I be? So they jumped in and I kind of waited. They all jumped in and they popped right up. You know, you know, you jump in, you pop right up. So, well, they popped right up. Here we go. So I jumped in. And you know how sometimes things are slow motion in your mind? Like I was, I, I was down at the bottom of Miss Jones' pool and thinking, I should be popping up right about now. Like these thoughts are going through. I was like, all those guys just popped right up. I should be popping up any minute now. I didn't pop up. So I thought, well, maybe I need to like kind of just go like this a little bit and I'll, I'll, I'll get to the top. So I kind of start going like this and I kind of like get about halfway up in Miss Jones' deep end. And then, so I, yeah, I'm starting to get nervous. So I'm like, I just need to go all out, just thrash as hard as I can to get to the top. So I, you know, I, I didn't know how to swim, so I'm going like this, and finally my head starts coming up above the water, but then it goes back down, it starts coming up, and I'm thrashing as hard as I can to keep my head above the water, but it's not. It just keeps going up and down. And then finally, my knight in shining armor, my savior, um, a lot of you probably don't know him, but his name is Roger Gibson. He goes, Matthew, I went to buy Matthew back then, give me your hand, you know, so he put his hand on it and I reached out and, you know, I was five years, he just like pulled me up and set me back on the top and I was just like, you know, a, a shivering, sniveling little mess. But as hard as I tried to flail my arms, I couldn't save myself. So you can probably see where I'm going with this story, right? Tonight we're going to be talking about sin and how we can't save ourselves from sin. We've been going through the gospel, and Drew, get ready, buckle up. Drew's my slide guy, because I had to, you know, we don't have the iPad tonight. Uh, Drew's my slide guy. We've been talking about the gospel, and we've been talking about how it's life in six words. These six words spell gospel. We started two weeks ago with God. God created us to be with him. We were in Genesis 2, and, or Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. God created us to be in a place where, uh, where, where we had a relationship with him, and, and we knew who he was. He knew who we were. We knew who we were. We knew uh, who we were for. We knew who we were going with. But then the next one is sin, or excuse me, sin. Our sins separated us from God. Adam and Eve chose sin. You and I chose sin. And there's this separation from God. We talked about last week how sin goes against God's law, it attacks God's character, and it misses his mark. 
Tonight, we're gonna be talking about how our sins, sins cannot be repaid, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Now, the next couple weeks, we're gonna talk about the rest of it, the paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again, um, how everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life, and how life with Jesus starts today and lasts forever. But tonight, we're gonna talk about how sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Just like as hard as I flailed at the Miss Joan Covey, you know, Covey, Cubby Cella uh, pool party. I couldn't get my head above the water. I needed someone to save me. We can't save ourselves by our good deeds. So if you have your Bible, let's jump in. It's Romans chapter three is where we're gonna be tonight. And just to set up Romans chapter three, uh, Romans, maybe another way to describe Romans is the gospel for nerds. Anybody here a nerd and you're, you're willing to admit it? You're a nerd, you like to research things and you like to, you know, I'm not talking about that. I got on Google and did my research, but like, yeah, you research things, you like to study things. Well, Romans is the gospel for nerds. John's the gospel for lovers. Mark's the gospel for Mulan because it's so short. It's like, let's get down to business. But Romans is the gospel for nerds because Paul lays out, who was God used to write Romans, lays out this like very like well-researched, almost nerdy case for why we need to believe in Jesus. And in Romans chapters one and Romans chapters two, um, Paul kind of in a very nerdy way makes the case for the fact that we all are separated from God like we talked about last week. And at the end of his case that he's building for us being separated from God, we get to Romans nine. So we're gonna read the first little section first. It says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for, we've already charged, uh, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks are under sin as it is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats are an open grave. Whoa, that's serious. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps, that's a snake. The venom of asps, a poisonous snake, is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. This sounds like those people on like CNN and NBC and stuff. Their feet are swift to shed blood and their paths are ruin and misery. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the first little section we're going to dig into. You say, well, why can't sin be removed by good deeds? There are three reasons. If you're taking notes, you can follow along. Why can't sins be removed by good deeds? The first is because we could never be good enough to enter God's presence. What does it take to enter God's presence, to be with God? Well, Revelation 21, 27 says it like this about the new heaven and new earth that God's gonna create for people to be with him. It says, nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, only whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So God can only be around holiness because he is holy. One, one Tom, I'd like to do a study at Refuel maybe of, this thing is really in my way. I can't get over to you guys. Um, uh, a study of the things that God can't do. Did you know there are things God can't do? He can't lie, right? He can't build a rock so big he can't pick it up. God can't be untrue to his word. There's some things that God cannot do. And God cannot be in the same room, the same space, as unholiness, as sin. Because you wanna know what happens? Sin doesn't mess up God, God destroys the sin. 
And that's a problem when our sin is tied to our bodies, our flesh, right? So uh, we could never be good enough to enter God's presence. Why is that? Well, just look at these verses. And you know, it, it makes us realize that us trying to be holy enough to be in the presence of God is as ridiculous as trying to like pole vault the Grand Canyon. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? It's a big old hole. It'd be as ridiculous as trying to pole vault the Grand Canyon. Look at what it describes. It describes how we feel like we're good. We've done some good things. You know, we put some money in the offering plate. We've helped in VBSs. You know, we've read our Bibles. But what about our thoughts? Verse 11 of this, it says, no one understands, meaning no one, no one thinks in a wise way. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. They become worthless. No one does good, not even one. It describes our thoughts. You know, you've done some good things, but... What's going on in your head? What kind of thoughts have you entertained today? Thoughts toward other people? Sinful thoughts? It's easy to put on a good show, to do good things on the outside, but are our thoughts really holy? Then it gets to our words. It says in verse 13, their throat is an open grave, meaning they speak things that tear others down. They use their tongues to deceive, they lie. The venom of asps is under their lips and their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. You put on a good show, I put on a good show, I do good things, but how have I used my words over the course of my life? Have I been untruthful? Have I torn other people down? You know, what's crazy. You know, this, this book was written to Christians. Sometimes Christians have very bad word lives, <laughs> very bad word usage. Then actions, we keep reading. It says, their feet are swift to shed blood. Their paths are ruin and mystery and the way of peace they have not known. If we're honest, we've done some good deeds in our life, but everybody in the room has done some bad deeds in their life. You know what that makes us? It makes us not holy. And it all gets summed up in verse 18. It says, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Pride. Each one of us in our lives, with our thoughts, with our words, with our action, and with our pride, we have sinned. And because of that, we could never be holy. We could never do enough good deeds. We could never be holy enough to enter God's presence. It's kind of like, how many of y'all like chocolate cake? Anybody here like chocolate cake? Okay. I want to show you this chocolate cake. And um, one thing, a cake has to, if you're going to have a good looking cake and a good tasting cake, the icing has to be perfect. And it has to be spread perfectly. So I'm just going to take a minute and just kind of make sure this icing is spread exactly the way it should be. And then I don't know if we have people here tonight that like chocolate cake um, that would maybe want to sample a piece. Um, let's see. Let's go with uh, Judah. Come on up. Who do I want to pick on tonight? So, do you promise you'll eat this cake? Okay, um, because I've made a few modifications to this cake. But the icing is great. I mean, look at the icing. The icing is great. But um, there are. I made. A, I think a few uh, additions that are going to be really good. You ready for this? Yes. I'm going to get you a nice big piece. I mean, almost a quarter of the cake is for you. This is all for you, Judah. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Come on. We're salty. Is that ice cream in the middle? What? Come on, this is unfair. 
take a piece right out of the middle. Have a little bit of this. What do you, what would you, how would you describe the taste that you're, you're tasting right now? Mulch. Mulch. It's actually a sardine. I hollowed out the middle of the cake and um, you don't have to eat the whole thing if you don't want. You can have a seat. Thank you, Judah, for being a good sport. He, he, he don't want to get anywhere near this cake. But as you can see, this cake, the middle of it has a sardines in the middle of it. I thought it would complement the chocolate. Um, you know, I'm America's next top chef. Um, but the icing was perfect, wasn't it? The icing was perfect. And for some of us, we look at the outside of our lives, and the outside looks perfect. But God sees the inside too. And we're evaluated on the whole of our life here. And as you can see, this cake has some pretty disgusting stuff on the inside. Anybody want a sardine? Yeah, me. I want to try it. Okay. So, um... He said, oh, never mind. But on the inside, it's disgusting. And this is what this verse is saying. And it was specifically written to people, like a group of people that were called, known as the Jewish people, who they were well known for having a real polished outside. They were known for their good works. But he says, inside, your thoughts, your words, your action, and your pride can't stand in front of a holy God. So we can't, yeah, our, our good deeds can't put us in a place where our sins are removed because we could never be good enough. We could never be holy enough to be in God's presence. But there's another reason. We can't, our sins can't remove, be removed by good deeds because God's law is a mirror, not a ladder. Uh, some people have, it, have this idea. Now, I may really get hurt by doing this. Um, some people have this idea that you know, God gives us the Bible and if I just do my dangdest, that's the strongest Christian word you can use. If, if, <laughs> John, if, I just do, if I just try to do this as hard as I can and as meticulous as I can, maybe I'll be good enough to be in God's presence. Maybe I can fix this problem of sin separating me from God. And, and we try to climb, we try to obey the Bible like climbing a ladder. But here's the problem. This is a ladder that run, you run out of steps. Here's what you learn. When you try to obey the Bible like climbing a ladder to get you to God, you'll find out that the ladder just keeps growing and growing and growing. And the more you climb, the more rungs there are on the ladder. I go to the gym and there's a, a machine at the gym called a Jacob's Ladder. Has anybody ever been on one of those? And it, it's, it's like a treadmill, only it's a ladder. And you just keep climbing and climbing and climbing. And you could climb all day and still have rungs in front of you. And when we try to obey the Bible to get us to heaven. It's like climbing a never-ending ladder. But look at what, you can go to the next slide here, uh, Drew. Look at what Romans chapter three that we're in, verse 19 and 20 say. It says, we know that who, whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but the more you start reading the Bible, the more the Bible starts reading you. 
The more you, and this is, not, this is not a reason not to read the Bible, but the more you re- look at the Bible and realize how holy God is, the more it also exposes how much of your life needs to change. You ever look in the mirror and you're like, ugh, I need to change something. I need to put a little more paint on the barn, you know? I need to pop that zit. You know, you look in the mirror and you get a little, you know, some of you guys, you're getting that five o'clock shadow, you're getting that little furry thing growing under your, under your nose, right? The mirror exposes it. I could be really corny and say that the mirror exposes the whiskers, but you're shaved by grace, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that. That's, that's a dad joke. <laughs> um, but, but, but the, you can go back to that slide if you want. But the, the Bible, the law of God, we, we treat it like a ladder, but really it's a mirror. It's exposing how far we have to go and how we could never be good enough to get into God's presence. Jesus even expanded the law. He said in Matthew 5, you've heard it said you shouldn't, you shouldn't commit murder, right? Everybody knows, don't kill anybody. Anybody here killed anybody? I don't think so. I mean, how many of y'all come close? How many of y'all come close? Just be honest. Come close, okay. Um, Jesus said it like this. You've heard it said, do not murder. Up here, up here. Jesus said, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, if you insult your brother verbally, you're liable to the hell of fire. That sounds pretty serious. Jesus said this also in Matthew 5. You've heard it said not to commit adultery. Well, you guys aren't married, so you don't have to worry about committing adultery. But wait, but Jesus said if you, but I tell you, if you look on someone lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. Jesus said it like this. You've heard it said an eye for an eye. If somebody does you dirty, you can do them dirty. But I tell you, Love and pray for your enemies. Some of y'all need to love and pray for Donald Trump and some of y'all need to love and pray for Joe Biden. I'm not gonna get any further than that. But he said, love your enemies. How many of us can honestly say that our whole life we have loved and prayed for our enemies? So do you see how God's word, God's law, it's not a ladder it's a mirror. I'm going to have Rylan be my like tag team lesson giver here next week, maybe. So what's the question? Should we throw the Bible out? Say, well, I don't need that. If, if, if it's not going to save me, no. It reminds us, it points us to what we do need. It points us to Jesus. So our sins can't be removed by good deeds. Why? Because the law is not a ladder. It's a mirror. And finally, Our sins can't be removed by good deeds because even our good deeds, even the things that we do that are good, we do them with self, guys up here, here, with selfish motives. God's standard of holiness goes beyond the external. Matthew 5, 27, 28, Jesus said that God will judge our thoughts. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, it says God doesn't just judge our hearts or our thoughts, but he judges our motives. Matthew 12, 36, 37, this is a scary one. God will judge every idle word, every word that we speak. So when we look past the external and look to the internal, we realize that even some of the good things that we do come from selfish motives. You posted a Bible verse on Instagram, and I love that. And maybe you had some good motives behind it, but did maybe the thought even enter your mind? I wonder how many likes I'm gonna get on this post. I wonder if it's gonna make, me pe- make people think I'm spiritual. 
I wonder if I'll impress people. I wonder if it'll snag me a godly man or a godly woman. You know, so can you honestly, listen, so can you honestly say that every good thing you've done, you've done it with 100% pure motives? None of us can say that. That's why, it's my final object lesson of the night. Um, that's why Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says that our righteousness, that's the good things we do, the good things we do, our righteousness is like filthy rags. And I don't want to get too much into a Hebrew study on what, they, they were really PG when they translated it to filthy rags because what it really means is that our righteousness is like <laughs> I sent Jordan, I sent Jordan to, look, poor Jordan, I sent him to Walmart to buy three things this week. Sardines, the largest male briefs he could find, and a chocolate cake. He is on every, he's got a red dot by his address. I mean, he, he's on every FBI watch list known to man. But do you know what God says about our Good deeds, it's that compared to his holiness and his perfection, even our good deeds, even our mission trips and our v working VBS and even you know, you know, taking care of our siblings and loving our parents, you know what those are compared to God's holiness? Actually, it doesn't just say it's like undies. And even that's kind of a PG-13 translation. It says it's like, I don't even know if I should do it. It says that they're like dirty undies. So listen, what this is saying, and I know we're, we're using objects and it's, it's funny, but I don't want you to miss the point here. It's, it's pretty much saying that our good works, our good works are tainted by the skid marks of our motives. Does that make sense? Can I get any more clear? No one, listen, listen, no one can remove sin by their good deeds. We laugh about it, we learn about it, but here's the, here's the sad thing. So many people are trusting their good deeds to get them to heaven and keep them out of hell. So many church people are trusting their good deeds to get them into heaven and keep them out of hell. But you know what gets you into heaven? You know what keeps you out of hell? It's not a ladder, it's a cross. Let's keep reading. Verse 21, it says, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, through the law, although through the law and pro the, although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So we learn some things about salvation. We learn that Jesus died on a cross. He was the perfect one. His motives were perfect. His deeds were perfect. He never sinned. And it says that Jesus came, verse 24, as a gift. How do we receive that gift? It's received, not achieved. 
Salvation, I should have put these on the notes. Salvation is received, not achieved. Salvation is trusting, not trying. Verse 25 says, um, God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. It's by, by putting your faith in Jesus. The word faith and the word believe originally in the Bible, it was the same word. One was a verb, one was a noun. So it's, it's received by belief in Jesus, by faith in Jesus. It's not by doing good things. It's not by climbing a ladder. It's not by putting icing on a cake. You are saved by believing that when Jesus Jesus died on a cross. He took your sin and he wore your sin and your sin was crucified with him. He took your sinful life and exchanged it and gave to you his perfect life. It's trusting, not trying. Salvation is possessing, not confessing. Verse 26 says that um, it was to show, Jesus dying on the cross was to show his righteousness at the present time. For 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made Jesus, who didn't know sin, um, to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. When you put your faith in Jesus, you receive that gift, you believe in Jesus and you don't trust your works. When God looks at you then, instead of seeing your sin, he sees Jesus's perfection. You say, Matt, does that just mean we shouldn't even worry about doing good works? Like we should go around kicking dogs and, and not helping grannies across the street? Like what's up with that? Uh, Ephesians 2 answers that. It says that you were his workmanship created in Jesus to do good works. It's not that you work so that you can be saved. It's that you're saved so you can do good works for God and you can serve him. So what do we do with this? It's not a ladder, it's a cross. The ABCs of the gospel. There are three things that we need to look at and we need to work on. The first is we need to advance the gospel. How do we advance the gospel? Well, some of you helped tonight by filming this video for the clothing pantry. In two weeks on a Friday, uh, middle school is staying here and you're gonna pack backpacks for our, um, for our backpack kids. Uh, high school, we're loading you up in the vans, appropriately distanced, and we're taking you down to Ebenezer to scan, our cl to scan clothes and upload them to our teen clothing pantry. Um, we want you to be reaching out and sharing the gospel with people. We're working on putting a night together early February. I think we're looking at the third. Just call it a one night. To everybody invite one person to come and hear the gospel. We've got to advance the gospel. If this, if this is true, most people think they're gonna to get to heaven by their good deeds. Who's gonna tell them the truth? Who is literally going to tell them the news that will save them from hell and get them into heaven? We need to advance it, but then some of you need to believe it. We need to believe it. Um, it's possible to go to church your whole life and not understand this. Not understand that you go to heaven, not by your good deeds, but by what Jesus did for you. So if this is the first time it clicked for you, uh, you wanna put your faith in Jesus, I'm just gonna do something very simple. I'm gonna put this number up here, and you can do it to right now or you can do it later. I just want you to, this will come right to my phone, I just want you to text YES to 304-208-8044, um, and then I can send some verses to you that can kind of help you get started in your relationship with Jesus. You've been coming to church your whole life, and maybe it just clicked for the first time, or you were invited by someone, it clicked for the first time. Um, I would love to just kind of help, like, get you started, send you a couple verses, is all I wanna do. I'm not gonna call you out by name or anything like that. Um, text YES to 304 208 and then the rest of us, the rest of us, those of you who know you're, you believe in Jesus, but sometimes you think, man, I've really done a lot of bad things. What does God think about that? I'll tell you what God thinks about it. He paid for your bad things on the cross. Uh, so some of us need to just cling to the cross. So I'm going to pray for us. It's getting a little late because of the video. So I'm going to pray for us. We'll, 
We'll talk after, okay? I'm gonna pray for us. Um, we're gonna get out of here. Um, so I, I, we need to put somebody in the middle tonight. Um, anybody we should put in the middle? Huh? You can't nominate other people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Carson's been nominated by two people, so Carson, get on up here. Um, sorry, Carson. Sorry, Carson. We're gonna pray for you, so why don't you stand here by the ladder? I'll put my ask on to be appropriate. And uh, we'll pray for Carson, and we're gonna get out of here, okay? Uh, so let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for this night. Thank you that we are not saved by what we do, because we can never be saved by what we do. We're saved by grace. We're saved by what Jesus did for us. God, thank you for Carson, and thank you uh, just for his faithfulness, not just in coming, but he, he, brings, he, he brings light with him. Uh, yeah, he, he, he has a group of people that surround him, and, and, and he's an encouragement to them. And God, you've blessed him with a lot of talents and abilities uh, through the, the sports that he plays. And God, I pray that as, as things will be ramping up soon, and he'll maybe be able to be involved in those activities again, God, that he'll use the talents and gifts that you've given him uh, to be a, a representative of you. I pray that you'll bless his life. I pray that you'll help him as he adjusts to going back to school. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.